Hi there. You're listening to Lindisfarne Anglican Church's Sermon Podcast, a place where you can hear God's Word preached if you weren't able to join us at one of our services during the week. My prayer for you today is that as you listen to this message, you'd be challenged, encouraged, and equipped to live as a disciple of Christ in the world. May God richly bless you as you listen to this message today. Well, uh, if you were here last week, you'll remember that we saw the importance of spending time at the feet of Jesus to make time for him uh, to put uh, first things first in the busyness uh, of life, just as Mary did, uh, unlike Martha. Uh, And I wonder how you've been going with that, seeking to reorientate yourself around the priorities of Jesus rather than the many other good things that uh, encroach upon our time. Of course, it should be no surprise to us that having finished chapter 10 with this encouragement to spending time at the feet of Jesus, that Luke next moves at the start of chapter 11 in our reading today to prayer instructing us on how we are a people, how we are to be a people of prayer, the kind of prayers we are to pray and the sort of words, uh, the sorts of attitudes we should, we should have when we do pray. But before we dive into that and have a look, I want you to think about uh, if you've ever had an awkward moment. One of those awkward moments where you meet someone uh, and you don't know what to do or say. Maybe um, you're a bit nervous because they're a bit famous. I remember once meeting Justin Langer and uh, he uh, put his hand out and said, G'day, I'm Justin. And I went, oh, I know. Uh, uh, and, uh, and, and then managed to say, oh, I'm Chris, nice to meet you. Uh, and refrained from telling him about his own life, which I uh, knew lots of. Awkward moment. Uh, it brings to mind uh, that scene in Mr Bean, if you've uh, ever watched it, where uh, he lines up uh, and he's about to meet the Queen. I don't know if you remember it. Uh, and uh, he uh, finds himself in this long line uh, and he realises he's not quite up to standards. He's got to make sure his shoes are polished. He's got to make sure he's got his little handkerchief in his suit. He's got to make sure his breath doesn't stink. Uh, And just as he's about to get himself all sorted out, he realises he's going to have to bow. So he starts practising his bow. And then all of a sudden, before he's really had time to sort it all out, the Queen rocks up and he bows and headbutts her in the face and she falls on the ground. Now, Mr Bean, of course, was right, wasn't he, to try and get himself into good order before he met the Queen and try and figure out what the protocols were. And when it comes to approaching God, I wonder if we might think there are some uh, things that we ought to consider as well. And that's what the disciples are doing here in our passage today. They're going, hey, we need to learn how to talk to God, how to approach him, how to pray. The disciples are asking Jesus for some tips. And in doing so, we learn a few things about prayer. First, sort of just connected to the first verse and they're asking we see the importance of prayer and then Jesus we see teaching the con- what the content of prayer should be and then what the attitude of prayer should be so I'll look at those things first of all the importance of prayer this whole uh, um, 
passage on prayer that we have today obviously comes after uh, we've just been taught about the importance of, of, of spending time at the feet of Jesus and now opening verse of chapter 11 one day Jesus was praying in a certain place Jesus himself is at prayer communion with the Father And in fact, as we read all the gospel stories, uh, you can't help but see that Jesus' life is a life at prayer. And his disciples have noticed this as well. And so they ask him, hey, Jesus, we keep seeing you like go and pray. Tell us how to do that. So we read verse one, when he had finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And so Jesus responds through verses 2 to 13, giving both the content of prayer in verses 1 to 4 and then the attitude of prayer in verses 5 through 13. But let's have a look at the content first. The disciples want to know how to pray and so Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. This is what you should say when you pray. And I think as we reflect on this uh, often said prayer and a very famous one at that, we see five aspects of the kind of content we should have in our prayer. First of all, we see uh, we're invited into this intimacy with reverence. Then we see we're invited to pray for mission, provision, forgiveness and protection. First of all, intimacy with respect or reverence. Jesus begins... Father, hallowed be your name. As Jesus teaches them on how they are to pray and what kind of words they are to say, he invites them first into this beautiful, intimate communication with their heavenly Father. A God who is not distant in prayer, but close, and we can speak to him like a child to her father. This is one of the beautiful things about our God, whom, though he created the whole world... He cares about you and me and he invites us into this childlike relationship with him, an intimate relationship. And he wants to hear from us. He wants to listen to us. When I was in India, I had the chance uh, to go to a few different Hindu temples just as a tourist. And uh, as we were travelling around, I have a very vivid memory of one particular service, and it's not just because at the end all the Western women, including Elisa, had to dance, um, though that was amusing. Uh, But it was before that, uh, when we were not allowed to participate uh, and we were standing off to the side, which was good because I probably wouldn't have participated anyway, uh, and uh, they were doing lots of banging on drums... Uh, lots of kind of noise and shouting. And I, turned, I sort of leaned into the, our guide and I said, what are they doing? And he said, they are waking up their God so that he will hear them and hopefully answer them. We don't have a God like that who is sort of uncaring and asleep. Ours is a loving father who wants to hear from us. But it wasn't just that. When I was in India, the Hindu gods, not only did they need waking up, you could make deals with them and you had to feed them. And so we'd drive along in the bus and we'd look out the window and there'd be a dude on the road standing up 
and doing a somersault, then standing up and doing a somersault. And on and on and on he would go all the way to the next temple because he'd done this deal with God that if he did this, he'd get something. We don't have a God like that. We have a Father who loves us and who is inviting us into this wonderful, close, intimate relationship. We serve a loving Father who is holy, who we must respect, who is the creator of the world, but who in Jesus and through Jesus' death has allowed us to come near to him. These opening words of the prayer, our Father in heaven, remind us of God's intimacy, his closeness to us as Father, and also his distance, his transcendence, if you will. Hallowed be your name. We have the sovereign Lord whom we can call Father. And so our prayers are like that of a child to a, de- a father who loves them. We, we, we ought not pray with fear. We, we, we ought to have respect, yes, but we, we come to God as a child comes to her father. That's the first thing Jesus teaches us. He also teaches us to pray for the mission. Verse 2, your kingdom come. We pray first to our Father for his work to be done, for his mission to be done, for his kingdom to come. Jesus is the bringer of the kingdom, the rule and reign of God to bear on the earth. And as we start our prayer, we pray for God's kingdom to come, to grow, to expand, to spread, because that is what we're called to as his disciples. Our mission is Jesus' mission, to bring the kingdom. And we do that by preaching the kingdom, by preaching about Jesus, that he is the king, the Messiah, the one who has died so that we might live. I don't know about you, but so often when, we come, when I come to prayer, it's very easy to say, you know, dear God, help me. I need this and I need this and I want this and I need this. We pray for ourselves first. But Jesus reminds us as he teaches on prayer that first things ought to be first and the spread of his kingdom is what ought to occupy our prayer life first and foremost because that's what we are called to first and foremost. And in fact, if we are people who sit at the feet of Jesus like Mary did, then I think we will be people who do pray first and foremost for the kingdom because we'll have been spending so much time with Jesus. So we pray with intimacy. We pray for the mission. Then we pray for God's provision for us. Give us each day our daily bread, verse 3. It's not a prayer for abundance, It's a prayer for enough for today to do the things God is calling us to, to be sustained for the mission of God. We've seen God's provision for us as a church, haven't we? We were celebrating that only a month ago at our annual meeting. No doubt you've seen God's provision for you in your own life as you've sought to be on about his mission. 
In my friendship with Abraham in Cambodia, time and time again, I've seen God answer impossible prayers for the provision of resources for the mission. I've seen God provide in my own life too. God will provide for us and so we don't need to worry about that. Instead, we can focus on him and his mission. We take our needs to him in prayer. And of course, our greatest need of all is that of forgiveness. And that's what Jesus teaches next in verse 4. Forgive us our sins. Our greatest need is forgiveness. And when Jesus teaches here that we ought to pray for forgiveness, it's, it's to remind us that, that we need his help. It's to remind us that we are not perfect. And as he teaches us to pray, notice there's that conditional phrase, as we forgive those who sin against us. He's not saying that his forgiveness is predicated on that, but rather he's saying as we ask forgiveness for forgiveness, so we, ought to, so we will extend forgiveness to others. As he teaches us to pray for forgiveness from him, from God... He reminds us to extend that same grace to others. This is the ethics of God's people. That as people who are in an intimate relationship with him, who are on mission for him, who trust in him for his provision, we humbly admit to God and to each other our need for forgiveness. And when we pray for forgiveness... When we confess our sins to God, it reminds us, doesn't it, that we're not perfect. And so it actually builds in us the capacity to forgive others. Because if you've never done the wrong thing, then when someone does wrong to you, it's very easy to respond to that person with self-righteousness. I can remember once getting into a very deep conflict with someone uh, and I decided that I would go and seek their forgiveness. And so I had a very long meeting with this person and I explained to, to her all the things that I was sorry for, all the things that I think I had done wrong and, and, and then I, and I sort of sat there uh, and I expected the next thing to happen was that she would then say all the things that she'd done wrong to contribute to the situation as well. But instead, she just said, thank you, you are a little bit stupid. Uh, uh, and I sort of went, oh. Uh, uh, that, that didn't quite go how I was, how I was expecting. Uh, and, and, and you see, I, 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 you see that, that is someone who doesn't get the grace of God and the forgiveness of God. Because God, when we are constantly seeking his forgiveness, and I need it every day, then we're able to go and seek the forgiveness of others, to own up to our mistakes, but also to extend the same grace God has extended us to others too. Finally, he asks us to pray for protection. Lead us not into temptation. This is a prayer 
that we would be spared the wiles of the devil. That we would be spared from being distracted from our Father's glory and from his mission, from failing to trust in him, from failing to seek forgiveness or to extend it. As God's kingdom people, there is nothing Satan would like more than for us to be tempted off task, to get distracted by, you know, selling church buildings, for example, as opposed to the mission of God, making disciples. There is nothing Satan would like more than for us to get distracted by our favourite sin that we like to secretly indulge in instead of trusting God and seeking his mission. There's nothing Satan would like more than for us to harbour bitterness in our hearts instead of trusting God and seeking his forgiveness and love. And so we pray, lead us not into temptation. Keep us out of that stuff that's going to suck us in and turn us away from you and distract us from what God is calling us to. Protect us. Lead us not into temptation. Isn't it amazing that we can call the sovereign creator of the world, our Father, that we can come before him, that we can seek his will, that we can trust his provision, that we can ask his forgiveness and know that he wants to protect us from sin. That's good stuff to learn how to pray. Good content. But Jesus doesn't just leave it there. How do we pray? The disciples say to Jesus, well, say all this stuff. But what's the kind of attitude we should have? That's where Jesus goes next with that story. Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. And as the story goes on, the friend eventually gives in. Verse 8, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of your friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Because you've been bold enough to knock so late at night and ask this friend of yours for help, he will help you. You've already woken him up, and it's not because you're a good dude, it's because he's just annoyed that he just figures, oh, well, what the heck, I might as well go to the pantry and give you some food. Shameless audacity in asking God for stuff, says Jesus, is what we need. Uh, I was trying to think, as I was reflecting on this passage, what, what is this, what, what's a good example What's a good example of when someone does something crazy bold and you think, wow, I'm so impressed, I'm just, I'm going to do something about that. When was the last time that sort of thing's happened to you where you you didn't really want to do it, but, but you did it because you were just so impressed? The, the best kind of example that I could think of Uh, regardless of the the many complexities of the situation nonetheless. But I was thinking, what is a shameless ask? 
where that people have responded to late. And the best thing I could come up with was was Israel Folau asking for money to, to defend his legal fees, right? A rich rugby player. He says, give me money to, to help my legal fees. A few people say, no, we're not going to help you do that. And then finally he finds someone who will help. And in two days he gets two million bucks. And, and I think... I think, what's going on there? And I think part of it is literally that this kind of shameless audacity to say, hey, give me some money to help me out. I'm a bit of a martyr here. And people have responded to that. Jesus says, like the friend at midnight, perhaps like Israel Folau, be bold and shameless in your asking. And in fact, he says that we should be like this with God because unlike the neighbour in the middle of the night whose response is probably half-hearted, sleepy and a bit begrudging, God is a God who is ready and waiting to respond. We simply need to ask, seek and knock. And of course, this is not a blank cheque if you ask God with enough kind of uh, uh, you know, if you puff your chest out enough, you'll get whatever you want. No, it's, a, it's, it's, it's Jesus teaching us that we need to ask, seek and knock with boldness for the things that he's told us to pray for. God will provide for us and listen to us and give us all that we need for this life and its spiritual dimension. God will provide all we need for his mission for our daily needs, for our forgiveness, for, our, for the power to forgive others, for our protection from the evil one. These are the things we come before God and we don't just say, hey God, I think maybe, could you maybe give me some forgiveness? Could you maybe give me my daily bread? No. We come boldly before the throne of God and say, hey God, We need this for your mission. I'm broken and I need your forgiveness. Ask, seek and knock and God will answer. As one commentator says as he reflects on this passage, as disciples bring their spiritual requests to the Father, they know that he is ready to help them. He longs to work in them and supply the spirit for their needs. Like a father who feeds his child, so the father will supply his disciples with the spirit they need to be guided in their spiritual life. At the foundation of all discipleship is trust in the father's goodness. He loves to provide for our spiritual needs. God will give us his spirit so that we can enjoy a relationship with him and so that we will be empowered to go on mission for him. That's the truth. And he wants us to pray for that with shameless audacity, with boldness, because he is a God who loves us, who is our father, and who knows our needs before we do. So let's be a people of bold and persistent prayer, seeking our Heavenly Father's blessing as we go about his mission, as we seek his provision 
as we rejoice and extend his forgiveness to others and as we trust in his hand of protection on our lives. Amen. Hey there. Thanks so much for listening to this message today. I hope you were encouraged by God as he spoke to you by his Holy Spirit. Please head to our website if you'd like more information about our www.lindisfarnanglican.org.au or like us on Facebook by searching Lindisfarne Anglican. We are a church for Lindisfarne, making disciples of Jesus. God bless.